Hey, welcome everybody to Heads and Tails. Good evening. Good folks. evening. This is your show for February, and I'm excited to get into some spirits today, Warren. I really am. I'm pumped for this. Yes. But before we do, I want to thank everybody at Pico Brew. You can go to PicoBrew.com, hit their products page, because I tell you what, they have a, uh, a cool product that you're going to need. It's called the Pico Still. It's their new distilling attachment. Uh, they say it is affordable, which of course it is. Quality design, which you can't expect anything else but quality design. Not from, from those guys. Brew. Uh, and you can do uh, you know, professional runs and, and, and homebrew runs on your Pico still. You can have it in the distillery if you're looking for something to do some pilot batches on or if you just want to fart around at home. Yeah. Do whatever you want. Distill your farts. Distill, you can Please do that. <laughs> With yours. Let's do it. It needs to be more concentrated. <laughs> uh, you can capture the essence of hops and other oils and uh, food. You can infuse uh, stuff in food, like uh, you know, like a, maybe a rosemary distillate or something yeah. like that. I don't know. Um, anyway, so check it out. PicoBrew.com. They bring you this show. and They're good people over there. And uh, they like spirits. Absolutely. Uh, so today we have Jake on, and Jake is from Rogue Spirits. Now, if that sounds familiar to anybody out there, um, they are the distilling arm of Rogue Brewing Company up in Newport, Oregon. Oh. Which is my... Oh, oh yeah. Uh, it's my f- absolute favorite brewery. Uh, that was the brewery that got me into cr- to craft beer in general. Okay. Um, and I've uh, been up there a few times and I loved it. I've been to the distillery, uh, but I've never really been able to sit down with Jake and uh, just kind of rap a little bit about um, about the distilling and about what they're doing up there and, and their products and have like a kind of a, a, a tasting here. So I'm pretty stoked about that. Yeah, breweries seem to be uh, starting to dabble in the spirits <laughs> game. So I'm curious to see how it's going for them. Yeah, and, and I guess it's a natural fit. I guess it's a natural fit, right? I mean, they're making the wash. Right. That's what it's called, They're right? doing the first part of the process. They're doing the first part of the process. Why not just divert some of that and, and, and do this? Yeah. Have you thought about doing some of that? Some distilling? Um, <laughs> no, not at home. Of course not. <laughs> no, not at home because that, oh. be, that, that would be illegal. But like yeah. uh, in, the, in, the brewing, in the brewing side, does that oh, yeah. attract you? Yeah, it's definitely been uh, piquing my interest as of late, and so um, right. I've been hearing people making the leap, and it's it's making me wonder. <laughs> I wonder if it's the new, it's the new craft brewery, if that makes mm-hmm. sense, right? Like now it's it's or maybe a year ago or five years ago was probably the time to open a craft brewery. Yeah, but I wonder if now is that time for distilling. Yeah, I think craft spirits. Not that they weren't a thing. 10, 15 years ago, but but now the consumer market, I think, is is turning some pretty uh, a pretty large amount of focus to that. Yeah. I would agree with you on that. Oh, okay, so on the phone, we have Jake here. Jake, are you with me? I am here. Nice. Good. Technology, man. It's coming through. In 2018, <laughs> yes. it's still working. Wow. Don't Thanks, Alexander Graham Bell. <laughs> he invented Straight Skype. up tube technology. We're doing. We got the, we, we got the, the tube laid directly to Newport. <laughs> That's right. And uh, just in time. Anyway, Jake, thanks for joining us here, man. I really appreciate you taking some time out and talking with us a little bit about Rogue Spirits, man. Absolutely. Thanks for having me. So uh, we have some spirits in front of us. We'll get to that later. But what I want to do is learn a little bit about you and how you got into distilling. And and we'll go through how Rogue got into it and all the fun stuff you guys are doing up in Newport. And then uh, 
and then we'll 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 get to drinking. So, uh, how did you get Absolutely. involved in, in distilling, man? So I originally started as a home brewer, uh, like many wayward souls out there. Um, started experimenting at home, and um, I'm originally from a little little town called Billings, Montana. Okay. Um, it, it's a beautiful, biggest city in Montana. Uh, super proud to be from there. Uh, and as a home brewer, there was not a local homebrew club, so I thought that was kind of silly. So, uh, <laughs> lo and behold, I started the Rimrock Brewers Guild. Uh, shout out to the RBG and those those folks uh, still brewing it back in B Town. Nice. Um, and started uh, local competitions, you know, because I was just a home brewer and wanted to get some uh, positive feedback instead of just uh, you know friends who wanted my free beer to to drink and to do with what as they pleased. Um, but started uh, statewide competitions and and built relationships from there. And one fateful day, I went into my local homebrew club, uh, homebrew store rather, and uh, the store owner knew I was looking for a brewing job. Um, and the the guy who came in that day said, "Look, uh, I, I don't need a brewer. I need a distiller." And I said, "Well, you know, if you can't find a brewer." Uh, or if you can't find a distillery, find a brewer and convert them to the dark side of the force. And that was not uh, too hard of an arm twist on my my behalf. And I said, look, I don't know what I don't know, but I'll figure the rest out. And uh, started a little uh, distillery back there called Trailhead Spirits, uh, who are still making some quality products there in Billings. And that's it. So um, and you just he yeah. just was like, yeah, this guy doesn't know anything. Uh, I mean, you know how to make beer, obviously, and that's a part of it. That's I don't yeah. know an eighth or a third or whatever the 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 breakdown is. But uh, yeah, and then did did he teach you the rest, or did you go to school, or did you just kind of like fumble your way through it, uh, like I imagine a lot of people do in, in, in home brewing? Not me, of course, because I'm you really know, smart. Totally, totally. Uh, no, I, <laughs> to which I fumbled. Uh, you know, I, I had some batches that weren't quite ideal. Uh, a lot of online reading, you know, just like in home brewing, you know, we didn't have a good club to kind of support that. So I was kind of forced to go into the ethos of the Internet and find mm-hmm. a lot of good advice and a lot of shady advice at best and kind of have to sort through it. And, um, you know, the big part's fermentation and that that doesn't change. You know, obviously our, our, our mashing setup for distillate is a little bit different than home brewing, um, especially when you're doing like on grain mashes versus laudered or off-grain mashes um but you know the the principles are the same uh you know the the cleaning techniques of home brewing is is the same in in you know commercial production of of Uh any beverage um Mm -hmm. so there were a lot of similarities and certainly the um you know the key the key parts of home brewing will, will always stay with me no matter you know uh, whether I'm commercially brewing for beer or spirits, which um, which uh, uh, industry, I guess, for lack of a better word, um, got you mm-hmm. the most groupies, home brewing or distilling? Because we need to know, we need to get well, down it's, to the it's, basics. It's, right? a, it's a different kind of groupie. We'll we'll say that. Uh, <laughs> luck, luckily for me, yeah, um, uh, I have a loving wife and two beautiful children that keep me humble one hundred percent of the time. Nice. Um, don't let so it get to your head. I, I, I don't. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> okay, so then how did you uh, find your way out to Newport? Yeah, so after Trailhead, I started consulting for a lot of distilleries. I uh, got a good base underneath me. We won a bunch of awards at Trailhead um, for a very new distillery, which was super awesome. Uh, started consulting for distilleries all around the country, and I had a few international clients as well. 
Uh, ended up on the east coast of all the silly places in these United States, a uh, little town called Baltimore. Uh, <laughs> was helping some uh, dudes out there get going. Um, and unfortunately, that's kind of when uh, things in Baltimore got a bit uh, unresty and a little little violent. And mm-hmm. uh, uh, was kind of looking for a way out of there. Uh, I got, like I said, two, two, two beautiful little girls that I have at home and just wasn't a safe place for us at the time with all the riots at the, at, at the moment and got a little panicked and was looking for a new opportunity and, and rogue put up their, their ad on, on a very popular, uh, website, uh, yeah. for distillers to see. And I, I only put in one application, uh, didn't think I was going to get it. And lo and behold, I'm here in Newport, uh, almost two and a half years later. Wow. Is the is the job market the way it is with uh, brewing? I, I feel like, and that's a, maybe a loaded question, but I feel like to get a job in, in craft brewing, you kind of you can just show up or you put your your application out there, and it feels like there's much more um, leniency. I think, in as far as uh, you know, you can go to a brewer and you go, well, I don't really know much, but I'm really passionate, and they'll train you up. Is that is it the same way for a, a distillery, or do you have to really know really what you're doing before you before you get in there? I think there's always room in this industry for both. Um, when when you have someone at the helm, it, it does you great benefits to know what you're doing before you get there. And I can only tell you that from very, very personal experience. <laughs> but uh, for, for, for what it is, you know, I've, I've trained, uh, you know, assistant distillers um, and people that I trust on the still, you know, just like up on the brew stand. Uh, with 100% because it is a safety issue. Um, there, there are, uh, uh, accidents in this industry every year. Um, there was just one, I believe out in New Jersey, uh, maybe a month ago. Um, and, and so those things have to set in your mind that things can go bad. So what I look for when I'm training an associate is not necessarily, you know, that practical application where, where they've done this very specific task mm-hmm. in the past. Um, but I look for the attention to detail, the, the willingness to sweep a floor, you know, grab a mop bucket, you know, those, those very particular things do kind of parlay themselves in, into uh, trainable skills down the road. Okay. All right. Did, uh, did Rogue have the distillery before they put that ad out, or were you going to be the, the oh, inaugural yeah. guy? Yeah, Rogue, you know, I always call it Rogue has the best-kept secret in the distilled spirits industry. They've actually been uh, distilling proper uh, in 2018. will be their 15th year. Wow. Um, yeah. Yeah, I had no And idea. you're not the only huh. people in the world to have that reaction. Every <laughs> trade show I do, they're like, oh, Rogue, I love the beer. I was like, me too, but we distill also. And they're like, that's great news because I had no idea. <laughs> um, so, <laughs> so you know, it's, 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 it's a unique set of challenges I have on the distilled spirit side of a, a company primarily known for world-class beer and world-class packaging. So, um, and we're this, in 2018, we're kind of having, uh, 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 you know, kind of a, coming of age party of sorts mm-hmm. we got some new packaging we're starting to do some new unique blends um and and so hopefully we can we can you know stand beside the the behemoth that is rogue ales <laughs> yeah those are those are those are big boots to fill man john john's been cracking yeah. out some good beers for uh for many many years yeah i've always dug your packaging because it's in i mean it's in clear 22 ounce bottles with a bottle cap on it 
I think that's yeah. Amazing. So the totally the seven seven fifty Grohl style swing top bottle. Um, yeah. You know, I've had a lot of home brewers come and thank me. You know, thanks for doing <laughs> this because I generally put my home brew in it when when I'm done with your spirits. Um, the new packaging, uh, which is not what you have in front of you, no. unfortunately, it wasn't ready by the time I had to ship the samples. But we have some brand new packaging coming out. It's it's really uh, whiskey first is is what we're calling it. It is a whiskey decanter style package. Um, you guys can see some previews on all our social media. They've kind of been leaking little pictures and, and little tidbits of the new packaging. Um, and uh, the one part I'm super proud of is on our dead guy whiskey which is our number one selling product on the spirit side, as well as dead guy ale being the number one seller on the beer side Mm -hmm. is on the topper itself. We actually have a pewter style dead guy sitting on top. So much similar to a Blanton's or a whistle pig where they have a pewter style topper on top. We have the iconic dead guy sitting on top of our bottle and it's really sweet. That's cool, man. I, uh, yeah, I like that. That's uh, that's really nice, man. Um, so, so it uh, won't look anything, have any uh, uh, resemblance to any of the beer side anymore across the whole uh, line I or mean, just this one? Yeah, to a point. I mean, if, if you put the entire lineup, you know, especially with Dead Guy, I mean, you cannot think of rogue without thinking dead guy if you put all of our packaging which by the way the beer has gotten an update this last year too as far as the packaging is concerned so if you haven't seen that definitely check that out but if you put all those packages together nothing seems awry right i mean they all seem like they're slightly different mm-hmm. variations of the exact same brand it's on point as far as the logos the branding yeah all that stuff so yeah, yeah, very cohesive, very, and that's and that's kind of really been, you know, I don't know, Rogue's thing, but but uh, I've been I've been, look I've been drinking Rogue for you know since I was nineteen, like I, uh, I was it's my first mm-hmm. craft beer mm-hmm. I got into. I mean, I mean, excuse me, <clears throat> twenty one because I never yeah. break the law. Yeah. That's what I heard. <laughs> but exactly. like, uh, but you know, I I, yeah, I have a I don't know a hundred different Rogue bottles from from back then when they're like two mm-hmm. color screens, and 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 ever since then, man, the the packaging has always been kind of on point. Everything's kind of been cohesive, uh, branding wise. And I always have to give a shout out because we do have our own internal design department, um, Hagen uh, Rules. Uh, he <laughs> does an excellent job, uh, especially on the beer side. We just redid a most of our packaging on that side mm-hmm. um you know for for iconic brands like hazelnut brown nectar um which we've been doing almost longer than i've personally been alive yeah um you know it's it's something new it's fresh it's different uh catches the eye it looks on point so uh, i always have to give uh, uh kudos where kudos are deserved awesome is it just you up there uh, making making the spirits, or do you have a, a team, or what's what's the layout look like up there for you? You know, it it kind of depends on our production schedule. It, it tends to wax and wane uh, depending on the the time of year. Uh, right now, I do have an assistant. Uh, his name is Mickle. He's the older gentleman, uh, and he's really helping me with this packaging changeover. Mm-hmm. Um, which is, you know, if if I didn't have gray hair already, I would certainly be developed <laughs> yeah. uh, at this point. Um, but uh, so I've redundant. had up to uh, two other distillers on staff beyond myself. Mm-hmm. Uh, when we're in full production, usually we run uh, a 24-5. Uh, so we run three shifts back to back to back. 
uh, five days a week. And then we have someone on the weekends to kind of clean up and prep for the next week. Um, but just to give you a, 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 you know, size of scale of, of our production. So I don't know if you guys heard, but we have this little brewery right across our parking lot. Um, (laughs) and the brilliant thing about that is, is they make all our wash for us. They happen to be called rogue ales, right? Right. So they make all my wash for us. World, world famous brewmaster, John Meyer makes the wash. We have these tanker trucks, uh, that we like to call the mash transit. So the mash transit (laughs) uh, is filled with fermented wash, uh, trucked all the way over uh, to the distillery, which is, you know, stone's throw from the brewery, mm-hmm. uh, pump it through the wall. During a 24-5 schedule, we will produce 12 to 16 barrels of whiskey a week, um, and that'll wow. be two and a half tankers worth of uh, wash coming over. Wow. Is it is it uh, uh, just... Well, what am I trying to say? Is it is it finished? Like, does it have hops in it? Is it like beer coming from a brewery, or do they make? Hey, we're going to make a wash for the distillery. So here's this recipe, and here's this fermentation schedule, and and da 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 da. Yep. Okay. Yeah. So I get my very own wash. Um, it is hopless. Um, we've you know for, for not for lack of trying, but I have not <laughs> personally found a good way to incorporate hops into spirits. Um, you know, I've I've. Maybe it's just a predisposition. I'm I love hoppy beer. Uh, we have this new beer here in Newport called Straight Out of Newport, which is our West Coast IPA. Just came out in 16 ounce cans. Yeah, uh, love it. However, I have done hops every which way in spirits, um, and and minus like a background note in some gins I've made over the years. Uh, I I haven't found a good Can't way to do, do it. it. Hmm. Yeah, man, I I've tried the and I forget the name of the of the spirit, but it was like a hop infused vodka or whatever, and it just yep. the flavors yep. cl- clashed for me, and it was kind of more vegetal than than really enjoyable at all. It wasn't really sure. didn't really do anything. And and you can go about it two ways. I mean, I I I, I spent six to ten months developing uh, a hopped gin. Um, and when you distill hops, like the, the oils that you think of in beers that really, you know, capture your imagination on the nose and the flavor, those are not all inherently volatile oils. So they will not end up in the final product if you distill them. And really the ones mm. that do make it are kind of blah. I okay. mean, with, huh. without getting into any technical terms, I want to make sure we're all on the same page here. It's blah. So for me, yeah, it's blah. It's blah. That's perfect. That's a perfect um, level but of technicality. You, you can macerate and essentially like dry hop spirit like that. And that's okay. Um, but it, you, you never get really any bitterness or, or some of the other characteristics that you get with hops. So, uh, it's, it's, it doesn't work for me. I know there are some hop spirits out there. Good for you guys. Um, for making it work, but I, 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 I don't know. I'm at a loss with hop spirits. Yeah, and I think that's probably fine, man, because the stuff I've had that you guys are turning out is, uh, I'm, I'm fine with it. I, I can separate my hops. I don't like <laughs> that can stay in the totally, beer. totally. That's totally fine. Uh, totally. What else I like about your 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 spot up there is you have your own barrel. How you guys are making your own barrels on site. Totally. Uh, if if nothing cool else about Rogue captured my love, heart, and imagination the very nanosecond I got here, the fact that we have our own cooperage was the kicker, right? Um, so uh, started back in 2014 is when we started building the building for it. Uh, great story with that. We actually found uh, through a sister cooperage 
a cooperage up in Canada that was going out of business and all of the equipment was for sale. Mm-hmm. Uh, our, our president, uh, Brett Joyce, uh, and his friend, uh, uh, Rick who owns Oregon barrel works drove up to Canada in the middle of the night, offered, uh, the guy some money, uh, bought it sight on scene. Uh, and we didn't really have a plan for it. You know, here at rogue, we like to call it ready fire aim. Uh, and so we just, we, we did it. And then we're like, Oh shit. Now we have a cooperage. Now we got to do something with it. So they started building the building, expanding the distillery to include the cooperage as well as what we call the ocean aging room. Um, but we're actually building and coopering our own barrels in house. Uh, and they're actually being made out of Oregon oak, um, which is a, a really uh, hot topic for me. Oregon oak is a different subspecies of white oak. Um, it is uh, not just oak that happens to grow here in Oregon, uh, mm-hmm. but it's uh, Quercus gariana as opposed to Quercus alba. So it's got a completely different flavor profile than what we know, you know, even as, as brewers, as, as, you know, oak. Mm-hmm. Um you know, whereas traditional American oak will give you that solid uh, vanilla note. Um, it'll yeah. give you that barrel sweetness from that, like, sizzlactone kind of structure. Uh-huh. Um, this does not have that. What it does have is a ton of, like, that clove spice, jammy fruit, kind of darker fruit character. Uh, super tannic. Um, so what we are doing is developing a product that will be released in 2018 as our first Garyana or Gary Oak, Oregon Oak, uh, whiskey, uh, which we're super excited about. And it actually kind of was truly a development process between the brewery and the distillery. Uh, we came up with this beer. I don't know if you guys have had it. It's the rolling thunder Imperial stout. Uh, the last two years clocked in at 14% ABV, uh, aged in barrels that we not only made in sight, but aged our own spirit that we made on site in uh and then aged this just absolute oil slick uh of an imperial stout in there um and every year it changes a little bit we keep you know wanting to innovate every single year Uh, i believe the 2018 release is coming out here in february if i'm not mistaken um so go do check that out but that's kind of the start of what we will be releasing on the spirit side um come 2018 so how do you how do you combat the huge tannin that your your organ grown wood is going to throw off? Totally. Um, so what what we've done specifically is um, so the spirit that was in that barrel mm-hmm. uh, to an, essentially initially season the barrel. Uh, we put dead guy whiskey in because a we make more than that than anything else. So <laughs> it was abundantly available for us. Yeah. But we put that dead guy whiskey in there. Uh, age it for a year. We take that whiskey out of that barrel where we put the Imperial stout in, uh, and that generally ages anywhere from nine to 12 months. Uh, and then once that Hmm. beer comes out, we put that whiskey back in. So essentially what we're doing is using the Imperial stout, kind of like a sherry or a port barrel, uh, where it sweetens, um, and kind of helps balance the tannin of those Oregon oak barrels. So eventually what we're going to have is an Oregon oak-aged American malt whiskey finished in Imperial Stout barrels. Um, and we have a working title on that. Um, not not 100% through legal yet, but we got a really cool name for it, and, and hopefully we'll have that out around August of this year. Is it an acronym for what you just said? Because <laughs> that, would be, that would be amazing, man. Just, that uh, makes, it is not. It, makes my it is smart. not. It is not. 
Can you say what it is? I'll just say that, yeah, I'll, I'll say it with, with the asterisk next to it, right? Uh, mm-hmm. It is going to be called Project Lazarus. What is that from? That's from something. Lazarus from the Bible? Uh, never heard of the Bible. Uh, could be. Could yeah. Could be? <laughs> yeah, no one's ever heard of that. Uh, <laughs> could be. I mean, for, for us, we were trying to think of, you know, because it's dead guy whiskey, uh, that originally was just to flavor the barrel for a beer, but we kind of brought it back from the dead, right? So uh, the biblical Lazarus was raised from the dead uh, by Jesus, uh, so the story goes. Nice. It sounds, it, it sounds like it's from a movie. It sounds cinematic. It sounds like from a Bond film. <laughs> that's really what, sure. what yeah. resonates for me. But... I think that's what Goldfinger was building. <laughs> that's probably what it was. <laughs> is the spirit yeah. aged? Is is it just sitting in stainless while you're while you have the stout in the barrels, or what do you do with it for that? We've year? done it a couple different ways, um, and actually, more recently, uh, we we used to have these folders on site that were also made out of Oregon oak uh, that we did for some beers in the past. Um, we are no longer making those specific beers. So essentially, I have some photos just floating around. I was like, hey, I'll take some of those. So we essentially have it in Oregon oak the whole time. But that oak is older, and so it's not getting the same tannin pickup? Yeah, totally. I mean, if if anything, I'm really just looking for more microoxidation, mm-hmm. um, really no flavor pickup in that, which is, you know, it's essentially like the coolest stainless steel tank that's not stainless steel. <laughs> sure. <laughs> <laughs> uh, this is making me thirsty, man. Let's 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 drink something. What should we What should we try first, Jake? I think you have to start with Dead Guy Whiskey, um, and certainly the story of Rogue Ales and Spirits cannot be told without Dead Guy. Um, and you know, Dead Guy on the beer side actually started uh, as a product called Meyerbach, um, and they also brewed this other beer they called Dead Guy, which was for uh, a Day of the Dead-themed Mexican restaurant that is no longer here in the Pacific Northwest called Casa Ubecha. <laughs> uh, and, like, the Mexican lager was, like, okay, but they had this uh, – the, the packaging, the marketing was brilliant on it, so they decided to yeah. had you know combine that with this brilliant Bach beer, um, which is, you know – a, a a Maybach-inspired ale. Um, of course. So, you know, we, we essentially take those same malts, you know, the beautiful Pacific Northwest two-row barley. Uh, there's two different types of crystal malt in there. Uh, there's a little bit of uh, Munich malt as well. Um, and I think when you get into the spirit side, those specialty malts that are so common in brewing really become more uncommon for spirits. Mm-hmm. So what you have and in, in, in when you distill these uh, is a lot more flavor uh, that you would not usually have uh, in those spirits. So for Dead Guy, tends to come off really fruity, uh, tons of fruit character in there. Uh, it is a malt whiskey, so it, it is very light in body, um, has beautiful citrus aroma. Uh, it is currently aged in, in American oak, so it has that beautiful vanilla and the sweetness from the barrel. Currently what we're packaging uh, is two years old, um, and I believe that's what I sent you guys. Uh, we are currently in transition to longer, older age statements for our whiskeys. Oh, like um, and by the end of 2018, we should be four years old for Dead Guy. Wow. That's cool. I, the, my, my brain side and my spirit side, which is, you know, small, of course, don't tell anybody, uh, is oh, it, I'm just I'm sure. tripping out because I have to, you know, open this with a bottle opener. <laughs> and I love yeah. it. Yeah. I love it. 
Oh, man. I got to get back up there. I haven't been up there yeah. in a couple of years, man. It's, that's a, it's a trip. It was a nice trip. D- do you offer uh, tours? Yeah, we do this uh, funky little tour. Uh, generally, you know, obviously uh, check the day of if, if anybody is interested. But generally speaking, they run at least one tour every day. Uh, you know, more during the tourist season, um, which generally is, you know, uh, Memorial Day through Labor Day. Mm-hmm. Um, and we have this funky little train that we take people on. Um, it's actually a little Husqvarna tractor. Don't tell anybody. <laughs> but uh, yeah, we train people through. They get to see the packaging uh, line. They get to see both brew stands. Uh, John Meyer has his own brew stand now. Uh, he kind of has his own little nano five barrel system, uh, and then see the, the big brew stand, the hundred barrel back in the corner there. And then they'll take you over to the Cooperage. And then we also have what we call the Roguezonian museum, mm-hmm. uh, which is a part of, uh, any tour of Rogue. Uh, we've been very careful in keeping a record, uh, of, of our successes and our failures in that museum. Um, you know, you don't do business for 30 years like Rogue has, which by the way, next year is the 30th year anniversary of Rogue, um, God, you know, with, without doing some really cool things along the way. So we've, yeah. we've been, uh, very careful to, to keep that history with us. It is a trip, man, because there, there's a lot, I mean, you know, Rogue, you know, apart from making great beers, I think one of the things they're known for is the, the, the sort of one-off packaging at least in the collector the bottle collector totally. world right one, which i was you know, a big player in, oh really, wow but, uh, between my friends right um and and all that stuff is up there paper mm-hmm. label the the screen bottles all the the fun stuff that yep. they're doing just locally and it's it's cool because just being on the consumer side I and mean, down here in california we don't get a ton of rogue which has always disappointed me. Right. But, um, you know, you see it on the shelf and you interact with the brand online and you know the people and you kind of drink their beer. But when you see all of that kind of outlight in front of you, that these people just live and breathe this this beer. It, it, it's it's totally. it's really cool, man. It's it's actually really neat. It, it sounds weird. Like, oh, there's a museum for a <laughs> beer company? Uh, but it's more than that. Yeah. It's, it's right. this cultural thing that they got going on there. It's it's It's, it's a trip. Absolutely, and there's there's two two players in that bottle collecting that I have to, of course, make shout outs to. Uh, one <laughs> one gentleman is uh, we always call him Dogs. Um, he's actually Australian. Uh, Peter Donaghy. He 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 comes up once a year with his catalog, and he physically marks down every bottle that Rogue has ever produced for his personal collection. The guy imports empty glass bottles to Australia every year at his own expense, just for the sole purpose of collecting our bottles wow. in every shape, form, style, paper label, printed label, one-offs for the military, he collects them. And then we also have these local kids, the Rogonians, uh, and they're just super fans. And and that's what a brand that has withstood 30 years of history will produce is, yeah. is people who are so loyal to this brand, they'll follow us through thick and thin. That's weird you didn't mention Jason in your two shout-outs. Well, you know, look, if I had the nope, money... Nope, I did time, not. I you know, hey, I got about 100 Rogue bottles. It's not that bad. Oh, nice. You know, I do all right. <laughs> they, they you you drank us. all of those bottles, I'm sure. Uh, most of them. 
Nice. Well, yeah. you know, it's not the size of your collection. It's all in how you use it, right? <laughs> exactly. And right now it's boxed away because I haven't unboxed them from two movies. Uh, anyway, um, let's get to this dead guy, Warren. Um, yes. So, Jake, when you when you make the, the, the beer, it's called the, it's called dead guy. Are you distilling it from the dead guy wash, or is it a specific wash made for you? Yeah, it's, it's specifically made for me. Yeah, they uh, at the brewery their code name for it is Booze Guy. Um, <laughs> but I mean, they 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 specifically make it for the purpose of me distilling it. Okay, so it's not it's not just Dead Guy without any hops and then fermented and run off, right? Right. Okay. Right. So when you were when you were trying to make this spirit, were you trying to, to kind of emulate the 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 flavor of Dead Guy, or just you just kind of hey, this would be a really good a really good whiskey. Well, it's it's kind of, you know, especially Dead Guy Whiskey being an iconic brand. And like I said, I've only been with Rogue two years. So mm-hmm. once we started going with, uh, you know, the idea that we wanted to produce older spirit, that had never been done. Rogue Spirits has really produced uh, what I lovingly call limited age spirits for a very long time. <laughs> uh-huh. um, so so really, the the even though the canvas was there, I got to really paint my own picture with Dead Guy Whiskey, and I feel very fortunate to be able to do that. Um, so when I do a blend, you know, I'll pull 24 barrels of uh, reasonably, you know, uh, aged spirit within kind of the, the ballpark of what I'm looking at, and then I'll physically go through and do sensory analysis on every one of those barrels mm-hmm. and try to figure out which barrels will work together the best which one have the notes that I'm looking for, which ones just don't work at all and need more age. Um, so while I didn't necessarily go for the exact same flavors as Dead Guy Ale, because I, I think that would be uh, pretty hard, no matter what you do, you know, we always call it whiskey first. You, you get Dead Guy whiskey and you have a beer back, and it's one of the most – it's one of the easiest pairings we have because literally the flavors from Dead Guy – are going to be really close to dead guy whiskey no matter which way i blend it you know it's it you know they are uh you know brothers uh in flavor right how does uh working with a in-house cooper uh get to add another dimension to what you get to do are you messing around with toast levels or even different processes on his end to affect the spirits sure sure so uh you know again the cooperage actually started with specifically making barrels out of Oregon oak, um, which is for a very particular set of products that we're making here in the next year or two. We're actually going to expand that and hopefully cross our fingers, uh, be able to bring 100% of our cooperage needs in-house. So when that happens, that will allow us um, very finite control over the flavors and profiles we get out of our barrels. Um, And I'm really excited about that opportunity. Um, but to get the Coopers to do anything, they're, they're curmudgeons, you know, they, uh, <laughs> yeah, they have their own way about things. There aren't too many distilleries that have that ability, right? In the U S. Oh, totally. And, uh, I, I think our claim at rogue, uh, and again, I'll say this with an asterisk cause I don't remember, but I believe we are the only brewery distillery cooperage in the world. Wow. Huh. <laughs> Possibly. Solid maybe? <laughs> yeah. Let's go solid maybe, man. Yeah. I haven't heard of another yeah, solid one. Solid maybe. You know yeah, what? you go find one and then report back to there me. There you go. Yeah. <laughs> no, you know what it is? It's let them come to you. You can make that claim. That's right. If anybody wants to refute it, well damn it, they gotta step up. Right. Uh, I like this whiskey, man. It's it's 
a very approachable if if that yes. makes sense it's it's not overpowering it's not hit you in the face with a bunch of hot alcohol there's a lot of um smooth flavors in there the malt flavor comes through maybe there's like a little pepperness mm-hmm. which i really like which i don't find too much in whiskeys uh but it's it's a unique sure. it's a unique flavor um, combined with that kind of smooth, it, it kind of starts you off. It kind of ramps up, I guess, in flavor, if that mm-hmm. makes sense, where I find Absolutely. a lot of whiskeys is just like, bam, here we go. We're at 10 already, <laughs> yeah. homie, and then we're going to back down. Yeah. Right. Absolutely. To, to me, uh, and this might be unique to the, the type of wood that you're using, but the sweetness to me seems more uh, malt-derived than what I would associate as like, oak vanillins, like wood sugars. Sure. So the, I think the reason you're getting that, um, and again, for, for dead guy whiskey, we're still American Oak, just like 98% of the rest of the world. Um, <laughs> but we call what we do here, ocean aged whiskey, and it's on every one of our bottles, including the one you were sent. So what ocean aging is to us, you know, we talked, uh, kind of in the pre-show about the temperate weather here in Newport. Yeah. Um, it doesn't really change much. You know, whiskey varies from wine and beer in that, uh, in the barrel, it actually benefits from higher temperature and fluctuation of temperature. Um, and so when you have a 100% humid uh, climate like we have here in Newport, where the lowest low is probably going to be around, what, 41, 39, um, and the highest temperature I've ever physically seen here was about 84, 85 degrees um, wow. It doesn't really fluctuate that much, but what we do get is these beautiful offshore uh, storms that change the barometric pressure, and I've actually mm-hmm. done uh, a data project where I have a data logger in our ocean aging room to actually track uh, the amount of uh, relative humidity, barometric pressure, and temperature every 10 minutes for we're now in uh, 18 months of this project. Wow. So really the quantitatively define what ocean aging is. So what I can tell you uh, for sure out of all this data, out of this crazy amount of data, is that our aging conditions more replicate that of Scotland and Ireland than that of Tennessee or Kentucky. It's a much more mellow age because you don't have A, super high temperature, and B, it doesn't fluctuate that much. So for the aging process and what you get out of that, is inherently less barrel character, which is not inherently a bad thing, but you do allow the malt and the whiskey to have a larger part of that conversation than you would otherwise uh, at a you know place in Tennessee or Kentucky. And you guys are right on the water, essentially, next to a pretty large commercial yes. fishery, right? Yeah, absolutely. I mean, we're right on Yaquina Bay, um, which feeds up river, and then, I mean, the Pacific Ocean is... Right there. Yeah. It's uh, right there. Um, it? <laughs> it's less than a half mile. Um, but you can, you can see it from the distillery. You can see it from the brewery. I can see it from my house. Um, it's know. everywhere, man. Is there any worry that with the longer-aged spirits, you might get some of that fishy ocean smell in the barrels? God, I hope so. I'd, I'd charge <laughs> twice as much if I could do that. <laughs> are, you, are you looking for no, that? Uh, are you looking for the funk like that or what? Well, uh, I mean, I I love funk of all kinds, but uh, to me, you know, when I look at Scottish whiskeys, because that's kind of like our comparison. We, I don't compare ourselves to like the bourbon producers of America, but more like the Scotch producers of Scotland. So mm-hmm. for me, 
like the heavy salinated air doesn't really have uh, as much of an effect until you get to the 10 to 12 to 18 years. And to me, uh, that gives more of like the umami and kind of uh, more savory flavors uh, in a whiskey. Uh, And I don't think that would at all, uh, I think that would be a great balance for this whiskey, but you know, we have to get there first. So, (laughs) so far, so good. Right. You're on your way. Yeah. You got, you got some time. Um, well, let's move on then. What, what's, what should we try next? Uh, you know, since we're doing, uh, whiskey, let's keep with the whiskey. Let's pull out the rye. All right. Let me see this bottle. Um, so rye for us is super interesting. Uh, you know, we are a farmer, brewer, distiller, cooper. Uh, we embody all four of those phases, um, and this is kind of the best of, of all those worlds. So we actually started growing our own rye, oh gosh, maybe 2013, uh, and our first couple years of rye actually got decimated by slugs. Um, so rye, we had some hard slugs. lessons to learn on how to grow rye. Okay. Um, and so, we actually grew it at our Independence Farm. We have two farms in our in our Rogue Nation. Uh, one by Independence, which is just near Salem, and then we have one in Thai Valley, which is uh, um, kind of just the other side of Mount Hood. Mm-hmm. Um, more grain growing region up there. But we decided to grow it at our hop farm, which was a horrible idea. But you know, you live and learn. <laughs> um, is that so, what, is that what attracted over, the slugs? Over, is, over, is the hop farm? Uh, you know, I'm not sure, uh, okay. but I do know just as a personal farmer, like the best thing to get slugs out of your far- out of your your beds is beer. Hmm. Just spray beer and they'll go away. Okay. Just huh. throwing it out there. Any home gardening? I didn't know this turned into a home gardening network sure. interview, but you know, <laughs> hey man, you gotta you gotta roll with it. We're doing everything right now, just like you guys. We're doing yeah, everything. No judges. We're our, learning right now. Our everything. format's fluid. Um, <laughs> So anyway, our, our rye, we grow ourselves. Um, we do have a portion of that malted. Um, so as you're tasting this, um, it doesn't approach as a traditional rye. It has a much softer, fruitier approach, um, but it does have that nice, dry, spicy, slightly astringent finish, um, mm-hmm. which I absolutely love, and, and I always call myself a rye-holic. Um, <laughs> I like it. And I'm just a rye guy. Uh, I, I love all rye. We might actually be expanding our rye at some point uh, to have different. Uh, I always like to call it, use the word expressions, right? The mm-hmm. uh, different distilleries will have a million different expressions of one product. So hopefully, at some point, we can we can start expanding our rye as well. What's the point of using a, a blend of malted and unmalted rye? Uh, I I think I always call it kind of forced complexity, right? Because you kind of you kind of put flavors in there that kind of make your head scratch a little bit. Um, I, I, as, as rogue ales does not like to brew uninteresting beers, rogue spirits does not like to brew uninteresting spirits. Um, and it's certainly, I, I love this rye. We've, we've picked up some major awards here in the last year and I won't bother with, with all those cause everybody wins awards these days, but, um, <laughs> everybody does. It's fine. Yeah. Uh, but you know, for, for our rye, uh, we've, we've, been able to compete on a level not only with you know the quote-unquote craft distilling but we are on par with some of the best ryes uh made by some of the biggest names in in the world um so i'm I'm very proud of where the rye is at currently and i'd love to expand that even further it is great and and it is very reminiscent of that whiskey where again it's it's very approachable it's not super heavy it doesn't hit you in the face 
um, like some other rides that I've had. And it is very rye forward, I guess. It's, it's, you can taste the, the, well, like you said, the expression of the rye actually comes through. It's not the barrel. It's not anything else. There's not this, you know, that vanilla in or that, that, um, that kind of confectioner sugar sweet barrel thing. It's just this kind of soft, little spicy note that carries through all the way. It's soft underneath. Um, and it's, it's very, very smooth, very smooth. Yeah. And the older that rye gets, um, as some, you know, we kind of call them test barrels. So we have them further out in age than anything else, just to kind of see where it's heading in, in the next few years. Um, and the brown sugar, uh, is the sweetness that kind of develops, you know, it's, it's a richer, more molasses esque kind of sweetness. It's not just that thin kind of saccharine sweetness. Mm-hmm. Um, it just gets beautiful. So the, again, the longer our program continues, uh, we'll push forward our aging statements and, and be producing some even better whiskey in the future. Yeah, that's great. Nice. I really like that. Uh, well, let's tackle this pink spruce gin then, since this is our last bottle. Absolutely. Tell Absolutely. me about this guy. Uh, so this is a product we've been making for quite some time. I believe it goes back, if my memory serves me correctly, to 2011. Um, so our standard spruce gin, uh, is, uh, a contemporary style gin, very mellow, very cucumber forward. We actually now harvest all of our cucumbers from our farm. So every year we hand peel about 3000 to 4,000 pounds of cucumbers in house. Do you have to do that? Um, uh, yes, Mikkel and I do that and we throw on some really good music and I have this like (laughs) cucumber peeler thing. And we just go to town. We're just peeling fools. Um, <laughs> but uh, if you ever get an opportunity to try that gin, we also have this great soda that we make in-house as well, our cucumber citrus soda. That's a cocktail made in heaven. But we do take a portion <laughs> of that spruce gin, uh, and we age it in ex-Pinot Noir barrels hmm. uh, that we get out of the Willamette Valley here in Oregon um, just for three to six months. I mean, nothing too crazy, depending on the season, how how warm it gets. Um, but when it's super duper fresh, it has that beautiful pinkish hue to it. Mm-hmm. Um, as it sits in the bottle over a long period of time, it will change color. Um, and that's only because we don't use UV sensitive bottles. Um, and I don't think there's anything particularly wrong with that, especially because we don't lose any flavor or aroma. Yeah. Um, but in 2018 and in the new package, we've actually changed uh, this to the Pinot Spruce Gin, okay, uh, as opposed to the Pink Spruce Gin, because right. Pink Pink Gin is actually a, a style of gin, of which this is not. It's a, uh, it's so a this style is our Pinot Spruce Gin. What what is what's unique to Pink Gin? Uh, I I would have to go look at a book. I think it's one of the Spanish styles of gin, if I remember correctly, but. Hmm. I, I I I don't know. Okay. I, off, off the top of my head, I I couldn't recall. Man, it, you know what? It, uh, I was drinking it right when you were saying it's cucumber, and I go, "Wow, this is really cucumber." And then you said it. I was like, "Oh, <laughs> well, because there's cucumber in it." Right. Totally. That's yeah, right. Because there's you can't three thousand pounds of hand peeled cucumber. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> I, it, is this might sound really stupid? Is cucumber a common ingredient in gin, or or not? Or you guys are just weird? Not not necessarily. I mean, we're not unique in that um mm-hmm. there's a very uh prolific brand made out of scotland that uh has 
cucumber in it. Um, it's not necessarily indicative of what I call London dry style of gin. Yeah. Because cucumbers are inherently sweeter than, than I think that profile would allow. Mm-hmm. Um, but uh, it's, it's a very easy drinking, you know, especially our spruce gin, very easy drinking, not overly complicated. You know, I, I always call it my G and T gin, right? right? I don't have to think about it too much. I, I, I you know, it's, it's easy drinking. It's sweet. goes well with most tonics. Um, it's, it's good to go. Well, and isn't, isn't a gimlet cocktail typically have cucumber in it? Yes. So yes. it's basically kind so, of, I mean, the flavor, you're ready to go. <laughs> chill, yeah, exactly. right. This is, um, again, very, very good. You, you know, yeah. it's, it's approachable, which I, I should probably stop saying, but you know, uh, on the ingredients, uh, spruce, cucumber, juniper berries, angelica root, orange peel, lemon peel, coriander, ginger, orris root, I don't know, grains of paradise, tangerine, yep. and uh, f- of course the free-range coastal water, which I love. Um, but I feel like everything's kind of kind of there. You you know, you read the ingredients, which I like to do on, on, gi- on complex gins like this where you go, okay, let oh, me right. see if I can really <laughs> taste this. Because I think a lot of this can't mm-hmm. – there's no way I can taste – and you can kind of go through and maybe the grains of paradise because I don't really know what that is. But definitely lemon peel and the juniper berries and the orange peel and the cucumber and the spruce and then ginger. I mean, it's all kind of laid out there. It's all, it's all just kind of on the same level. For sure. Uh, and, and Grains of Paradise I've used on a couple of gins that I've made throughout the years. Um, you know, uh, traditionally used in Belgian wit beers. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's actually uh, it's a little, uh, it's from the pepper family. And it's these little uh, little pods and it has this beautiful citrus spice kind of thing. Um, and, and I've certainly used it on several of my beers as well as gins. Is this a seasonal gin? Because aren't spruce tips typically only used, say, or in the spring whenever they're they're green, whenever they're tipping? Yeah, so we we harvest all the spruce tips uh, in the springtime, uh, but the kind of the bulk of the freshness for us comes from the farm, and that harvest time is around August, uh, second week of August, usually for like six. You know, we produce our entire year's worth of gin in about four to six weeks. Wow. Um, so it is seasonally produced. We'll put it that way. So, you know, those three, three to 4,000 pounds of cucumbers are done within that six weeks. And then there are no more cucumbers and we, we run out of spruce tips and then that's it. You have to sharpen your peeler after the six <laughs> weeks is over. Yes. 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 You should see it. I mean, it's quite a contraption. It's, uh, it's got like 10 blades on it. Uh, you know, it looks like some Edward Scissorhands kind of shit. Uh, <laughs> but then you put the cucumber in through the top and then you pull it down below and then it kind of peels it like a banana almost. Wow. Well, I'll tell you what, uh, take a photo for me because if I go there to try, to try to see it, I don't want to get put to work. <laughs> Just don't go in August. Yeah. You bring a cucumber, you bring me a cucumber and we'll peel the shit out of it. How about that? <laughs> Uh, that sounds like a dare, and I will do it. Yeah. <laughs> uh, Jake, I want to thank you very much, man, for your time and uh, for taking us through these three spirits. Uh, I really appreciate it, yeah, man. Where awesome. can people go to learn more about Rogue Distilling? Uh, so Rogue Ales and Spirits, you can check us out on Facebook, Instagram. We're even on Snapchat, uh, Rogue.com. That's R-O-G-U-E. Uh, unless it's rouge, then you're dyslexic. Uh, it is R O G U E dot com. Perfect. All right, man. Thank you very much. We'll let you go uh, enjoy that cold weather up there. 
Absolutely. Thank you, gentlemen. All right, man. Cheers. Enjoy. Good stuff, man. Yeah. I like that a lot. Even if there is another brewery, coopery, coopery, cooperage, cooperage. Yeah. I don't know. And distillery. You got farm onto that. You're That's winning. another layer. <laughs> You're yeah. winning. <laughs> Find me one of those. And I love the direction that that kind of goes. You know, it started as a, a brewery, then it's a distillery, then a farm, cooperage, and it's they're kind of yeah. all. And I'm, I'm I wouldn't be surprised if they hand blow this glass. <laughs> that's, that's next. <laughs> well, they are up the in new Oregon. packaging, right? The exactly, new packaging. exactly. It's gonna be multicolored glass uh, yeah. with a hole inside. Uh, Warren, tell me about these glasses we're drinking. So I don't know if you noticed, but we have a couple that actually are not just plain uh, Glen Cairn glasses. They actually have our logo on it. I did notice that. I thought at first it was a trick of the eye. That you're <laughs> right. fooling me. Yeah. Um, but um, uh, I was incorrect. These got etched by our friend David over at uh, GlenCairnWhiskeyGlass.com. All right. Um, and they sell uh, all sorts of Glencairn glass, uh, decanters, gift sets, and other accessories for all of your whiskey drinking needs. And it's it's Glen Kieran, not Glen Karen, because I've been saying Glen Karen because mm. I'm American. And I want to butcher everything. Yeah, from uh, my extensive YouTube video watching. Yes. Um, okay. Yeah. I believe I it's do that too. Glen Kieran. Glen Kieran. Yeah, it's spelled G L E N C A I R N. Okay. And whiskey without an e. Right. Glass.com. Okay. Um, I mean, of course, I know this, but I'm playing dumb, so in case somebody else doesn't know, oh, I'm, I'm, that's. but I know it. I know what it is. You're just being a professional podcast host. Yes, that's correct. Yeah, right. <laughs> that's correct. Yeah. Uh, stay tuned for my master class on <laughs> podcasting uh, coming to you soon at some point. Uh, give, give the website again, yeah. Warren. Um, it's www.glencarenwhiskeyglass.com. Glencarenwhiskeyglass.com. Um, they will... E- they will even put your own logo, design, name, um, no. anything so on, not just on this ours. glass. Right. You can get other glasses besides the heads and tails one. Can you get... What if people really like our logo, our weird logo? <laughs> well, you could ask David. All right. And he has the file. Okay. So he might... Well, hey, man. Yeah. David, uh, hook, hook everybody up. It's all right. Don't worry about it. <laughs> Don't worry. It'll be your top seller soon. <laughs> exactly. Uh, speaking of not worrying... Not worrying? Sure. Let's go with yeah. that. Yeah. Uh, if you're looking to learn more about the world of craft spirits and possibly open your own distillery, then you need to check out American Distilling Institute's 2018 Craft Spirits Conference, happening March 26th through the 28th in beautiful Portland, Oregon. Head over to distilling.com and click on the banner for the conference for more information. There's a gin summit. They have a gin summit happening there, Warren. Yeah. A brandy workshop, of course. There's a whiskey workshop, a rum workshop. A vo- Look, if you want to make it, if you can distill it, you can pretty much learn it at uh, the Craft Spirits Conference. And when they're talking workshops, they're not saying, oh, you get to hear somebody teach you the thing. You, right. You're doing it. It's not just a PowerPoint presentation with the whoosh sound effects. Exactly right. You're well, in a distill. It could be both. They might have those. I but hope you're they also. Have those. In a distillery right. with a functioning still getting to, to hang out for a day. Exactly. With yeah. your fellow uh, distillers. Yeah. So uh, I think that uh, it's going to be pretty cool. Plus, there's tours. They have educational talks. They have everything. Look, if you're serious about distilling, entering the craft, uh, craft spirits world, this is the event for you. You can even possibly, if you're lucky, unlucky, whatever, you'll run into Warren there. Yes, I will be there. I will be at the Gin Summit uh, the Saturday before and a couple of the events. I'll be there for the full conference. Yeah, um, yeah I'm going to do a, a blending seminar that I'm really excited about. Oh, Two-day blending course. Dude, I want to go. Yeah. Um, I really want to go, but uh, that's when my uh, wife's due date is. 
Well, you for have kid, so. you have uh, yourself nine months ago to thank for that. Yeah, I had yeah. my own blending <laughs> blending conference to right. go to. Yeah, <laughs> um, yeah. So I'm going to be there, um, hanging out, trying to learn a few things. Um, well, there's a first time for everything. One, I said trying. Yeah, um, but true. yeah, um, I think we even have a promotional discount for you guys if you want to come see me. We sure do. <laughs> yes, yes. To go see Warren, um, <laughs> go to distilling.com, uh, find your conference package, whatever you want to do, and use the code Heads H E A D S. That'll get you $150 off of your conference package, yeah. your conference ticket. That's a awesome deal. Right. And because this is, what, four four days? And there's even stuff leading up to it and then after it also. Oh, it's, right. It's a thing, guys. It's a whole it's a week. So check them out. American Distilling Institute is putting on the Craft Spirits Conference. Go to distilling.com for more information. Once again, I want to thank uh, Jake from Rogue Spirits for sending in these spirits and uh, hanging out and talking to us a little bit. Yeah. Appreciate that. I want to thank the fine folks at the Pico Brew. Go to PicoBrew.com and check out their new Pico Still. If you want to try some distillation at home, you can do that as well with the Pico Still. Warren, thank you. Oh, thank you, Jason. Very much for coming in and hauling these yeah. glasses off. And yeah. uh, I want to thank everybody for listening to the show. This is our fourth show. And uh, if you have a distillery you want to hear on this show in particular, you can email uh, me at Jason at, or excuse me, JP at thebrewingnetwork.com. Oh. That is my official, my official address. Wow. If you have any feedback on the show, then go to feedback at thebrewingnetwork.com. And, uh, yeah, that's it. I guess we'll see you all yeah. in March. And uh, rate us on iTunes. Isn't that a thing yeah. that yes. matters? Yes, rate us on iTunes. You got the first three shows that we did all in one lump sum in January. Uh, and then now we're going to be released once a month. So um, for you new listeners, you have four shows in two two months you to can catch listen up to on. right now. Yeah. So go rate us. And, uh, you know, rate us on looks also because... I need to know, am I a 6 out of 10? I mean, the show's a 5 out of 5. That's no no brainer. But, you know, personally, right. me, what am yeah. I? Yeah, we'll be changing our uh, hairstyles and fashion each show. Right, monthly. And, we'll and, talk about and that. And you tell us the do's and don'ts of how well we're doing. <laughs> right. All right, everyone. Thanks a lot for listening, and we'll see you next time. Bye. Bye.